Welcome everyone uh, to another creator chat. Um, a bit different this time. Um, I'm 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 still James, um, and I'm still uh, at the Melbourne Athenaeum Library and part of the Aliographic Committee. Um, and rather than being joined today by a comic creator, uh, I'm joined today by a librarian who has created a really interesting uh, comic and graphic novel collection. Um, his, his name is Paul Metcalf. He's the librarian at the Albany campus of South Regional TAFE. Um, and uh, he's also written an insight article about this collection. Um, so we're gonna talk a bit about that today. Um, but before we get into all of that, I would like to acknowledge that I'm coming uh, today from, uh, I'm recording today from the lands of the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I, uh, and as Alia Graphic is a national group, um, I would like to pay respect to the uh, elders, past and present, um, of all the Indigenous peoples across this land that we call Australia, uh, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Paul, uh, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you for thank you for coming. Um, so, as I said, um, librarian at the Albany campus of South Regional TAFE. Um, what uh, can you tell us a bit about how um, how the TAFE system in WA is is structured for those who might be might be interested to start with? Okay, sure. Um, there used to be many TAFEs in WA, uh, eleven I think, um, until 2016 when there was a merger to streamline the procedure. And there are now five TAFEs. There is a North and South Metro TAFE in Perth, and there are three regional TAFEs: the North Regional, Central, and we're in South Regional. We cover most of the south of the state, from Esperance in the east up to Narragin and across to Bunbury, with a dozen or so campuses. Uh, varying sizes. Uh, Bunbury is uh, the biggest one and we're the second biggest in terms of students and, and staff. Um, and I'm the librarian for this campus. Um, I have two and a half staff, full-time equivalent, two library officers and myself to run this library for 1,500-odd um, students. I'm guessing there's there's quite a bit of interplay between... but. Uh between the campuses and the libraries at the different campuses? Um, yes, there's really only two proper full libraries at Bunbury and here. The others have sort of small collections which they don't have any professional librarians or even library offices. They're just sort of on-campus collections of books looked after by the, by the campus administration. But uh, we all work together, yes, to supply um, books for each other and into campus loans, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So you might. So even though you're the librarian at the Albany campus, you're um, servicing um, across all the essentially servicing across all the campuses. Yeah, I, I buy, I'm library. responsible for the library services for Albany and five other campuses. Yeah. And Bunbury Librarian does the the remainder. Yeah. Um, so let's start with a bit about yourself. Um, what got you into libraries, and um, how did how has your career come to to this point? Oh well, okay. Um, when I left high school or during high school, I wanted to be an architect. <laughs> 
So after high school, I went to Curtin University and studied architecture for three years and discovered that it wasn't for me, The mainly because of the math. My, my lecturers told me that I designed pretty good buildings, but they'd probably fall down. I didn't have the structural knowledge and stuff. So I moved on from there and I did a lot of other things for four or five years, uh, various jobs, public service and other things. And then it sort of came to me, I love books so much, why don't I work in a library? So I went back to Curtin and got my um, library degree in the early 90s. And then I worked in the public library system in Perth until 1999. Uh, And then this job came up and I applied and I was hired here as the assistant librarian first in uh, 2001. And... When the librarian, there were two here who job shared, when they retired in 2015, I managed to get the big job and have been here ever since. That's, that's great. So then as the, um, as, as the librarian and, and also as a reader, um, what was it that got you interested in comics and graphic novels um, and uh, interested in bringing that into the, into the collection? Okay, well, I've always been a reader of, of traditional books. Um, ever, you know, ever since I can remember, I was always a member of a library, of the local library, and um, my mum was a big influence in, in getting me to read and reading to me initially. Um, but um, oh, in high school, I loved Tintin and um, and Asterix, as you do. I love the wordplay in Asterix. I'm a bit of a word fan and so forth, but I never went any sort of further than that. For after that for a long time. But I certainly got into graphic novels as a librarian first before I was a reader. So uh, 2016, 17, I sort of realised that we had a lot of reluctant readers in the TAFE. Um, and I figured out that as long as large parts of our collections are still text-based, even in the digital world, we still have many text-based resources, they are going to be wasted if people don't read them. So we have to encourage reading and fostering a love of reading is one of the um, tenets of, of our library. Yeah. Um, so, and one method of doing that was I thought, I know that a lot of people, especially boys, uh, will, wouldn't pick up a book in a fit, will pick up a comic, so-called. So I got a few of the um, uh, more adventure type graphic novels and comics, your DC and Marvel stuff. Um, and they went out reasonably regularly, uh, people. And then later, a year or two after that, I sort of realised that I discovered that there were more serious works. I think I read an article that said the first graphic novel to win a Pulitzer Prize was um, Mouse by Art Spiegelman. And I thought, well, that's pretty serious. Life in Auschwitz, <laughs> that sounds grim, a pretty grim read. So I, I bought it for the collection and I read it and I was hooked. Yes, it is a grim read, as you'd expect, of his father's um, experience in Auschwitz. Um, but I can see why it won a Pulitzer Prize. It is a literary work, absolutely without question, just in a graphic form. So we started to get a few more serious ones. We got some uh, classics like Emma and Romeo and Juliet, Jane Eyre, Moby Dick, Dracula, Frankenstein sort of things uh, in graphic novel form. Um, and then we got some more adventurous stuff. And 
I've read some of them, of course, as they as they come in, and so that's how I sort of got into it. Yeah. Okay. So and so, your collection is these were got for um, recreational reading, um, or is it to support um, these the classic literary ones and the comics, or is it to or is it primarily to support writing and art courses at the TAFE? Um, it's both now. Um, and I say initially it was just to encourage reluctant readers and for recreational reading. And well, we got the classics as well to people, people who wouldn't pick up Jane Austen to read might sort of read the graphic novel. And that sort of worked out reasonably well. But then, yes, I joined the Alia graphic novels group and to become more informed on it. And I realized that they now cover the huge range of subjects, just like regular books. There's non-fiction. Um, I don't know about this. Is there, this seems to be oxymoronic to call them non-fiction graphic novels. Is there another word for them? Um, so, <laughs> non-fiction graphic novels is is um, a pretty common thing. I personally, I tend to just drop the novel and just call it graphic non-fiction. Yeah. But um, I don't. I don't think that there's a specific accepted term. Right. Okay. It's that's still an area that be. Um, and and often they'll talk about the specific areas. So you talk about graphic medicine or graphic um, yes. health or you know things like that. Yeah, there is a graphic medicine group, and I've joined that as well because we teach yeah. nursing here. So, yeah. for that reason, so that's an American Library Association group, it, I think. It is, yes. Yeah. So um, after I realised there was a lot of non-fiction stuff, I thought we can use these to support the courses that we teach. And after some research, I discovered, to my amazement, that there are graphic novels about math. We have one about algebra. Um, there's ones for nursing and um, land management, and there's one about stripping an engine down for your auto lad. So there's a lot of the we've got some of those in um, acquired over a short period of time, and then we um, catalogued them into the collection and had a, a launch, a sort of a relaunch of it in this new format and a display. Talk to you about the the how you how you've done it and um, what you were what you were getting and and the purpose, but. What was the process from the TAFE end? Did you have to uh, get any approvals um, before before going down this path? No, I didn't. I'm, I was hired as a professional librarian and I'm trusted to choose the books as I see fit to serve, best serve the needs of the patrons, um, whether that's or not just books, obviously, the resources. There were, we had to go CD-ROMs are on the way out and we had to go digital with e-books and we have streaming platforms in, not instead of DVDs, but in addition to DVDs, and any other res- type of resource or format that's required, um, it's up to me to to do it. Unless they're very expensive, I might need to get approval or run it past people. Yeah. But generally, individual items, um, it's up to me to choose this, this, the library stock. And I went ahead and, and did this, and um, yeah, I've never had any problem. Yeah, uh, that's great. So. So you didn't need approvals, but you would have needed buy-in from um, stakeholders, um, both inside the library and outside, to make sure that this was being effective. How did you go about that? Okay, so initially, for the reluctant readers uh, and the startup, I had some discussions with ESL and CGEA, which is English in a Second Language Teachers, and CGA is the Certificate of General Education for Adults those who didn't finish high school, they want to come back and complete it. Um, 
So these people are either learning English or some of them have literacy and numeracy issues or deficits. So I sort of I, I talked to the lecturers who teach them and they were a couple of raised eyebrows. I said, are they just comics? No. So I explained it all and they came around and they said, well, yes, um, um, to encourage a reader who might be daunted by a huge slab of text in a book when they can read it is some text with pictures and you can intuit what's going on from the pictures and, and interpret the text that way. So they were quite happy. So we I went ahead and got the, the initial collection started. When I was expanding the collection into the non-fiction area, I asked for input from all lecturers in all teaching areas as to say, we, I, I supplied a list of books that I thought might be good and they said, I, do you, this is, I think you cover this in your course. Would you be interested if I got this? Or do you have any other subjects that you would like covered if I can find some graphic um, item that will cover it? And I had a reasonable response for that as well, and that sort of led the led the way. That's fantastic. And so, um, the staff buy-in um, sounds like it was it was pretty successful. Has it? Um, have they specifically started using them in their courses then, or is it still a additional resource? Um, I think it's an additional resource. Hmm. Um, and um, I'm not sure. I wouldn't know the percentages, but of people who. It seems that like people, there are people who prefer to learn visually than through text. And also there are neurodiverse people who find visual things more easy to interpret and, and just the reluctant readers who don't want to face big, thick books full of text. So there's all those sorts of people. They would make up, I would think, just off the top of my head, 20%, 15, 20% of our students. So that's a reasonable um, amount, and if you, I mean, in the past we've only had books and and for them. So now we have something for them that they're more familiar and comfortable with. Yeah, oh, that's that's fantastic. Have you had any pushback from anyone, and how's that been dealt with? Um, no, not at all. Not um, at all. Not at all. Um, not to my not to my knowledge. I mean, they may. <laughs> behind my back perhaps but no I don't think so um, yeah the, there's been a core of it's always been a core of uh, very happy uh, student users of the collection who have done that and we promote it of course in our library tours when we're doing uh, initially introduction of students to the library and they go oh you've got graphic novels yeah so and some of the students some of the lecturers have said oh I have a student in my class this term who will really benefit from this and they've um, brought them down or sent them down and we've run through the collection with them. So, yeah, there's some. I mean, not everybody. And not everybody will have a student who will benefit from it in every class every year. But um, well, it's, it's been pretty well received, I think. And, and pushback is, no, not, not at all. Most of the management and the lecturers have been quite happy. Um, I think there's management, I think, are pleased. I think they think it brings a little kudos to the TAFE and reflects innovative practice because it seems to be uh, fairly unique in the uh, in the TAFE system, as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's a. How have you got them in your in your collection? Is it its own separate collection of graphic novels and nonfiction, everything, or are they interfiled with? You know, all the medicine books are here, and graphic medicines in in amongst that. No, it's um. I mean, there are some libraries that do that. They will file all the things on one subject in one area, whether it's a DVD or a book or a CD-ROM or whatever it is. 
but we we are a format based library because people come in generally they'll come in and say I need a DVD on this I need a book on this I need something on this so we they're all in separate collections in Dewey in Dewey numbers and I have a separate collection for graphic novels but they are separated into fiction and non-fiction and uh, that um, is just separate I think we find that works best yeah cool um, and yeah and that's obviously easy to find and um, yeah you can't miss it there's uh, we've just put up a Sort of, I guess you'd call it a gigantic sign. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, a few feet tall <laughs> with a graphic novel, um, and pointing the point with an arrow pointing right to it. Yeah, yeah, cool. So findability, browsability, both both really yeah. really good for this collection. Um, how's that work for the? As you said at the start, you're kind of managing a collection for five campuses, um, yeah. and I'm guessing that you've got online students as well who might not come onto campus at all. Um, I, I do, know a lot, yeah. of, tastes, a lot yep. of tastes do that. Uh, do you have, so how do you go about this collection being um, available to other campuses and have you got any e-resources that are this in this graphic format um, for online students? Um, last one first. No, I haven't got any e-graphic uh, novels or resources. Um, we, I mean, the ones, everybody, every student who comes to TAFE physically does get a library tour and they get shown the collection and everything else that we do. The online students, we try and promote through the lecturers. Um, we send the lecturers, we did the launch. We created a bibliography of the resources, some of it annotated so they could see that it would best work for someone with this particular interest or whatever. And also, we created a package of resources of how to teach with graphic novels, which included uh, several websites, some YouTube videos linked to them, articles attached and links to, and we brought some books in as well. So we have uh, half a dozen books on how to use graphic novels in the classroom so they can um, use the collection more effectively. Um, but it is hard to promote to online students. We accept. Um, and the other the other colleges, the other campuses, they are unfortunately, obviously the collection is in this campus, but they are perfectly at liberty to borrow it. And uh, we do, we have a new titles list, which includes all our new acquisitions, and that gets sent to every lecturer in every campus, so they can see that we're adding to it. And they're welcome to ask for them if they would like them, yeah. So they go into their own campus library, ask for it, and it would be sent to that campus for them to... Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's great. Um, and does that does that happen much? How are you getting much um, buy-in from these other campuses? Um, not as much as I would like. No, it's only occasional at the moment. I don't know whether that's just because they haven't got the the, the type of student that would need it or would like it, or because we're not promoting it the best way we can, but. I'm always looking for new ways and asking people how can we best serve your needs and things, and try and improve our service. Um, but it'll it'll get there, I hope. But I say it's a, it's a slow process. We'll we'll build it up over time. But within Albany campus, it's going great. But um, some of the others, not so much yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so just I, I guess that speaks really to to how important that that. Um, 
promotion within the library and everything and and having it as a as a part of the space is oh yes um, promotion is everything oh, i'm a firm yeah. believer in that it's no use having resources if you don't promote them people you've got to tell people what you've got yeah mm. um and uh you've you've already covered a lot of that but so with the gigantic signage in the library the um library tours to make sure the students are aware of it the sending the info to the lecturers is there anything else that you're doing that that you haven't covered yet that's um well occasionally if i sometimes i will go on a sort of little a mini blitz of buying resources and i might get 10 or a dozen all at once we have a display so two or three times a year in between other displays that happen in the library we'll we have a display pyramid and area for that we'll put just a whole new range of graphic novels on it and people it's a, it's a, like a, a walk-through area. We're right next to the cafe here, which is very well patronised by students, obviously, and staff. So they have to walk through the library to, to get to the cafe, um, and they can see the display. And uh, so we do that several times a year. Yeah, that sounds great. So, um, you mentioned before the that you to make sure this collection was as useful and as accessible as possible, um, that you didn't just add graphic novels to the collection. You added books about how to use graphic novels in the classroom mm-hmm. and how to teach with them. Um, can you tell us a bit about, about the books that you added and and how they've been used? Uh, what sort of we got? I did some research on it. Um, on the graphic, in the, I think there was some mention of it in uh, on the Alia webpage, and I did some research and found some recent books. Um, some of them are a bit academic. If uh, we have some people who like to read academic type studies and things and, and proof of their uh, efficacy in their teaching. So, like graphic novels for children and young adults, a collection of critical essays is a 2017 book by the University of Mississippi. Um, so that's a more academic study of how, how the, the research proves that they are useful. Um, otherwise, there are just practical ones like the graphic novel classroom, powerful teaching and learning with images, um, worth a thousand words, using graphic novels to teach visual and verbal literacy. These are the sort of useful things. Another academic one is called With Great Power Comes Great Pedagogy. So how to teach better than that. Um, we have a special medical one, uh, Uncanny Bodies, that we found quite good. It's a call Uncanny Bodies, Superhero Comics and Disability. That's like a subgenre now of, of, um, of graphic stuff. So, yeah, there's a few like that, and they go out, and I hope people get benefits from them, um, the lecturers. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so and that's at lecturers, it's not aimed... You- don't get students in like a TAE course, uh, which is the training and assessment, or mm. any any courses that are um, le- training them to be trainers. Um, um, when, are those courses using them at all? Um, not to my knowledge, but I don't work on the desk all the time, and I don't see them go out a lot of the time. But I just know that I see stats that they are going out, um, so I'm not aware of all the who is actually using them a lot of the time. But I mean, I hope they would um, because they're the people, young people, you know, in their 20s who I find, I mean, I don't know if it's cliche or not, but I find that younger lecturers are more into graphic stuff than older lecturers, which you might expect. I don't know, but uh, I don't know if you found that. In... 
Um, I think it. I think it varies. Um, having having been um, been librarian and been a TAFE teacher, um, I think it's you. I've, what I've seen is is you get some older people who are very older teachers who are very interested in trying out new things and new ways to engage the students. Um, some that are very set in their ways, and you've got some young people who are very interested mm. in engaging with new things and some that are no this is the way it's been done and i mm. don't want to change it so i'm going to so yeah i i but on the whole you might be you, you're probably right that it's that it does skew a bit more towards trying out graphic novels uh, is more common in the young but yeah, I think so. But you're you're right. There are people of any any lecturers of any age who is that the attitude is that I want to try whatever I can to get through to my students. And mm -hmm. yeah, some of the oldest lecturers have picked up on on this graphic novel collection. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Um, so it sounds like you've got a really great collection at this stage, and it's being really well used. But going forward. What are the criteria that you're using to for the acquisitions and to manage this collection? And how does the that sit within the overall collection development policy? Um, well, it's it's like a two pronged approach at the moment. We still collect uh, books for the collection that are popular and exciting to encourage reading, the adventure type, um, people in underpants saving the world, and more serious works like Mouse and Persepolis, uh, things like that. Um, we recently acquired um, modern classics in graphic novel form, Slaughterhouse-Five and To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, there's a lot of those coming out now, of classic, modern stuff, um, as well as we got Marvel Pride number one for um, Gay Pride Month, which was June, I think. Uh, so there are superheroes who now have disabilities and and are um, in the LGBTQIA plus area. So um, as well as things for that, we also got like Blue is the Warmest Colour, My Life in Transition, uh, Queer, A Graphic History, for all of those sort of people in that area. Um, we bought a book called Superior. Uh, and Birds of Prey, which is about people with disability who persevere and 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 don't let their disability get in the way of having a, a good life. So I think neurodiverse and differently able students need to find things to read about them about people like themselves to make them feel comfortable um, in the library. And they we have have had the sort of queer students who have borrowed this stuff who sort of would have been in the past. Well, they wouldn't have had anything to borrow, but they also didn't sort of come out and let it be known that they were borrowing a queer book. It sort of you know, sets them up. Uh, but now they seem happy to do it because it's a graphic novel. So, and we, we have quite a few students in that area here. Oh, that's so great. As far as within the overall collection development, obviously three-quarters or what more of my budget goes to providing resources for courses that we teach um, some of that is in, is in traditional is it well most of it is in traditional books or DVDs or other types of things uh, the rest of it some of it there's um, all sorts of things but uh, some of it is in the same teaching areas but in a graphic format so I want to cater for those 
10 or 15 or 20 percent of people that find this more comfortable to use. Um, I think that's a, a reasonable, I mean, a reasonable assumption that I should spend a similar proportion of my budget on those sort of students. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, that's, and I love that you've said the diversity is important and we're going to do that across all formats. You're not going, oh, we'll, we'll get diversity in, in books, but the, the superheroes and, or the comics and graphic novels, um, because it's a small collection, we don't, we, we won't, it's, it's, you built that into the, into the collection development. So I'm really, I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we have about 12,000 books in our collection at the moment. Um, and we have about, I think, 300 or so in the graphic novel collection. So it's only a small percentage at the moment, but of course I'm, I'm hoping to build it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds great. So having, having made this collection, you've, uh, written an article about it for Insight. Yes. Um, and it was a fantastic article. It was in the um, Thank you. 2022 Ju- uh, July-August yes. um, edition. Um, what was the impetus for for writing that article? Okay, well, I was a member of the uh, VLAC committee, which is the Vet Libraries Advisory Committee. Every state uh, representing every TAFE system in each state has a representative on the VLAC committee, which advises ALIA on uh, policy in the vet sector. And I did a couple of years on that committee, just finished. Um, but as part of those committee meetings, we often, at the end of the meeting, tell everybody what's going on in our particular states and systems. And I mentioned that I was, had just launched my graphic novel collection. And the other people in the other states um, said, well, I don't think I've ever heard of a, ta- a graphic novel collection in a TAFE. There's plenty in public libraries, but in a TAFE system, I don't think I've heard of that. And so they would know, of course. So they sort of they said, you should probably write about it and let everybody else know what you've done. So... Um, I contacted the Insight editor and asked if they'd be interested in, in such an article, and they were. So I wrote it, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So you've you obviously made choices about how to structure the article and um, what to what to put in. Is like we've talked about a lot of what was in the article today, but we've also talked about a lot of other stuff. How did you refine what you were talking about down into that into that article? Well, you're right. It's basically just what we've been talking about, but I only had 500 words, so I had to sort of uh, summarise it a little bit. But basically, it's just yeah, my why I thought that we should have it and the initial collection of um, the adventure stuff and then the later relaunch with the non-fiction um, and pretty much covered the process from start to finish about the launch and how it was going. Um, it was... In the launch, it, um, it's in Albany campus, obviously, but we launched it throughout the, the South Regional TAFE and there was enough interest from the Bunbury lecturers and students that the Bunbury Librarian has now uh, instituted a similar collection there. She, I, I told her, I actually sent her the list of everything I'd bought for our collection and she sort of nearly duplicated it over in the Bunbury campus and I believe that's going all right there. That's great. Yeah. So what are you hoping, like, as as well as what you've, you've just said, that, that um, 
people didn't know about it and uh, uh, and now they they will know that that there are tech libraries out there that do this um, what are you hoping that will come from the insight article I'm hoping that it will encourage other TAFE libraries to to start these similar collections. Um, I mean, there are you know the neurodiverse and LGBTQIA people and the reluctant readers are in every TAFE. I'm sure. So I think that they should be catered for, and I would like to think that it would encourage them to to start their own. I know that it's made a difference in one library. Um, it's not a TAFE library. Uh, my daughter works in the local high school here, and she mentioned that you know, her dad had written this article and gave it to the librarian to read. And she printed it out uh, in A3 and put it on the library notice board and is now using it to justify buying graphic novels. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so she so, works in the high a, school. In a high yeah. school, yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, th- I think most um, school libraries these days are – uh, engaging with uh, both high school and primary school are engaging with graphic novels, but it's great that mm. this is providing additional justification for them to do that. Yeah, and I think it's more of the, of the non-fiction type things as well yeah. as the adventurous ones. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that I might have missed or missed asking? Um, um, no, I don't think no, I've covered it all. Yeah. Well, well, what we might do then is is wrap up, and what we always do for these for these chats is ask you at the end, um, what are three comics or graphic novels um, that you've enjoyed recently, or or not so recently, and that you would encourage others to to check out. Okay, well, the first one I read uh, mentioned Mouth by Art Spiegelman. I, it's difficult to say you enjoy a book like this, but I appreciate it, certainly, as the, as the, the story. And the, it's sort of, it's in black and white, which I think adds, it's like a black and white 40s movie, I guess. It sort of implies that. But um, the, the fact that he uses various types of animals to represent various uh, nations and, and people uh, really appealed to me and it I appreciated it. It, it. it is a grim read but we have to as in most books about war like All Quiet on the Western Front etc if we don't remember this we are liable to repeat it so I think people should read this and know what, what did go on in Auschwitz and the other camps and um, it's an important book uh, I say it's not so much enjoyable, but I think it's important. My second book that I would like to tell you about is The Handmaid's Tale, uh, Margaret Atwood. Yep. I've read the book and I've seen the TV series and then I've read the graphic novel. And it is obviously a brilliant book. Uh, the graphics are very nice. Um, it's A lot of it is dark. Um, but the story, of course, uh, in the near future, uh, again, about religion taking, uh, religious government taking over, it probably is very appropriate uh, for our society of these days. And um, it, um, she's a, a great looker into the future, uh, Margaret, and I really enjoyed that one. Mm, yeah. 
The third one um, is a non-fiction one. I don't know if you if you've read um, Yuval Noah Harari. He wrote a book called Sapiens. It's a very thick book. And he's now producing the graphic novel of it in three parts. Only the first two are out at the minute. Next one will be out next year, I think. It's um, a graphic history of the birth of humankind and how we how we got from there to here. The book is the best story I've ever read of how we got from there to here in history and uh, sociology and anthropology. And it's an interesting, interesting format. Um, the graphics are a bit like, remind me of Tintin type drawing, which may be something to do with it. But um, it's a good read if you want to know about um, humanity and history and etc. I love mm. it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I uh, love that because I, I always like when um, when uh, the people I'm chatting to for these um, have uh, recommend things that I haven't read yet. So Sapiens was already on my I would like to read it list but um, mm. at, at some point. But, um, yeah, getting another um, recommendation of it. Uh, it's definitely going to, yeah. to shift up to a I'll, I'll get that soon. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I mean, yeah. they're, all pretty, they're all pretty serious books, but uh, just as an aside, uh, for a more recreational and enjoyable read, I did enjoy Trillium by Jeff Lemire. Uh, I think it's a few years old now, but it's um, a love story intertwined with uh, time travel and from the 19th century to the very, very far future. And um, I thought it was a really interesting concept, and I love that too. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, so um, the three fantastic recommendations plus a bonus fantastic recommendation there. Um, uh, so we'd love to um, – uh, yeah, we'll definitely be, be looking at that. At this point, we usually say – how, what's the best way for people to keep updated on your projects and stuff like this uh, because the creators um, the comics creators creating your works um, what's the best way for people to um, uh, stay in touch are you interested in working with other other libraries um, for this or ha having put this out you want to focus on your library or what's, um, what's no. the plan uh from here um, I'm, I'm say I'm not an expert on graphic novels, but I'm I'm getting better at it. Um, if anybody would like to know any more detail or any any of the more titles that I've considered to be good enough to put in my collection or appropriate enough, um, I'm happy for them to contact me and tell them what I've done and 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 assist them in any way I can to to do their own collections. Um, my email address is in the inside article. And thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a fantastic chat. Um, yes, I've enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you for the opportunity to tell people what I've done. Yeah, oh, it's great. Um, I certainly, um, certainly a very interesting um, story about about setting this up. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I think I've been a bit greedy because we're only supposed to have fifteen minutes of fame, but I've had forty-five. I think. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I think um, you deserve the forty-five. Um, oh, it's you. it's a it's a really good. I'm. You can't can't stress it enough. I'm I'm really, really happy that that this project is um, that you've you've done has has done so well, and that you're being recognised for doing it. Um, thank you. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us today, Paul, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, well, well, we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye now. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Aliographic Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube page and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Aliographic, email us at aliographicinfo at gmail.com and check our blog, aliographic.blogspot.com for updates, monthly roundups of news and new release titles.